Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Michelle Stansbury, VP of Innovation and IT Applications at Houston Methodist. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this segment, Sansbury talks about how an obsessive focus on how to transform the organization using digital technology helped create a center for innovation. She also discusses the value of having a true partnership between IT and operations, why they're much more focused on investing in sweat equity than in new technologies, and Houston Methodist's evolution over the past few decades. So I think the best way to start is with a pretty high level overview of Houston Methodist, just to give you know an idea of your organization. Sure. We are a one of the leading health systems within the Houston and surrounding market. We've got our large academic center that's in the Texas Medical Center, and then we have got eight surrounding hospitals around in the Houston surrounding community. We've got a little over 30,000 employees, um, have been in existence over 100 years. Can't believe that. We celebrated our 100-year celebration, right, as the pandemic was starting, which is interesting enough because the whole Methodist system started during the Spanish flu pandemic. Oh, wow. So, yes, it was interesting that we were celebrating our 100 years just as another pandemic was starting, but have been at Houston Methodist for 30 years. Sometimes that's hard for me to believe, but it has been a very rewarding career and couldn't imagine being at any other health system except Houston Methodist. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that in some ways it does feel like it's only been a few years, which is a good sign. It is. It is but have seen many changes and have absolutely enjoyed my time of seeing how the health system has evolved to meet the needs of our patients. Okay. So I want to talk about Center for Innovation. If you could just talk a little bit about kind of how it came about and then what are the really the core objectives there? Sure. Well, it really kind of started over four and a half, almost five years now. And it really happened to be, as you know, digital technology was really gaining ground over across the nation. And we were seeing many other incumbents who felt they could solve healthcare, right? And so it was this idea, and there were few of us that were kind of keeping track of everything that was going on. And, you know, it really came down to the fact that either we were going to let these other incumbents try to disrupt our healthcare system, or we were going to disrupt ourselves. And clearly, you know, I will say, you know, healthcare has its own problems, and we know what those are that we need to solve within our institution. But it kind of started with, like I said, a few individuals really keeping track of all the different innovations that were out there. And so we just started meeting, you know, on a weekly basis. What have you seen? What have you heard? What are the things that we really need to be looking out for? And it really proved to be beneficial and so much so that as any work group starts, we named ourselves, we called ourselves the DIOP group, which stood for Digital Innovation Obsessed People. And we really were, it had this obsessive focus on how could we really transform our institution utilizing digital technology to help us overall with taking care of our patients, helping our clinicians. And so What started as kind of this small group and us meeting really formed our Center for Innovation. And what makes us unique within our organization is that everyone who sits on our Center for Innovation holds dual roles within the organization. 
prime example is our chief innovation officer is also our CEO of our largest hospital within the Texas Medical Center. Myself, I am the vice president in IT over all of our applications, as well as the vice president within the Center for Innovation. And as I said, we did this very purposely, even though we all have full-time jobs and we realize this is another one, um, we were extremely obsessed with wanting to make sure that we could do this transformation. So with us having these dual roles, we now know where all of our problems are at, right? Because we live it on a daily basis. And when we find solutions that work and we pilot for our organization, then we quickly are able to turn around and put on our normal hat. So me within IT of being able to roll out with my application teams and then operations. And a lot of times what we heard with other organizations who had these separate innovation centers was that they could come up with some really great ideas and they could pilot those great ideas and they did well. But when they needed to hand them off for them to be fully implemented across the institution, many times they heard, we're too busy, we don't have enough time, it'll be six to eight months to a year before we can fully implement. And now with the structure that we have, we're able to quickly turn it around and implement it across our organization to get and gain the benefits of what we'd seen through the pilot with that. So it, it's been extremely beneficial for us, and we have done things very, very quickly. Matter of fact, we have a lot of organizations that reach out and want to know, how did you do that? And we let them know. It's because we do hold these dual roles. And I know as our innovation center has done very, very well, or some people have asked, well, do you think you'll ever change it? And we immediately say no, because it has worked so well for us. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that really speaks to what you were saying before about some of the outside companies that may have really great ideas, but without that knowledge, not only of healthcare, but a specific organization, that's where you can really run into issues. Well, as I said, I mean, if you begin to look at this true partnership that we have between operations and IT, I mean, we work hand in hand. There isn't a, a meeting that we aren't together because we realize one can't do anything without the other. And the one thing that I appreciate on my side, especially being over in IT, is that everything that we do, it is not seen as an IT-led project. It is an operational project with the IT partners involved to ensure that it goes smoothly. And that is the best scenario that you can have because anything that is IT driven, it never really gets the operational impact that it needs because you don't have them at the table with you. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like it would definitely be just a huge part of it. So was there an initiative or anything kind of upfront that was like, okay, let's do this and try to get a quick win? Or how did you kind of get this off the ground? You know, what I would say is we had some kind of quick wins that we were doing. We looked overall at kind of our patient access. And one of our strategies that we do is when looking for vendors that we partner with, is we look for companies that maybe have a product. They might have it in a smaller institution, but they're really looking for a large health system like Houston Methodist to help them further develop their products making it work for us, which they then know they can turn around and be able to partner with other organizations to make it work. So we brought in several solutions to be able to do that. One I will tell you was a text-based solution. Um, and what we have found, of course, you know, talking about smart technology is that most people have just become accustomed to texting. 
And so we used to have an old solution that was, you know, would tell it the telephone reminders, right, of your appointments or things you needed. And what we gave is the option for to be able to text those individuals with the reminders. And it was a huge hit because everyone loves to text. Matter of fact, it was so successful, you know, patients were texting us back because we had this bi-directional texting. They were okay. sending emojis. They were asking different <laughs> questions. And so it really helped to reduce our no-show rate very quickly. So that was one, but it was a huge patient satisfier. So, you know, we have just continued, and this is where I said of working with these vendors, while that started off as kind of the initial use case, we very quickly have been able to roll it out for many other things. We're now looking it over. Now you can reschedule your appointment or do whatever you want through just by texting overall. The other thing is on Care Pathways. We reached out to a vendor that we partnered with to help them to develop their Care Pathways. And what we found by utilizing the technology, because it communicates to you for services that you're going to get into the hospital and the inpatient side. So if you're coming in for a procedure, it will text you or whatever your form of communication that you would like, text, phone, email, to remind you of the things that you need to do prior to coming into the hospital. You come in for your services. And then after you leave, it will remind you of those things that you need to be doing once you're discharged. And what this has done, it's reduced our readmissions, reduced length of stay, increased our HCAP scores tremendously in these areas because patients felt like they were they knew exactly what they could expect before coming in and absolutely what they needed to do. So we've continued to expand that across our organization. And then the other thing that I would tell you what we, we started doing was working on our virtual ICU. And it was started out as a project that was really gonna roll out to all of our hospitals within probably a year and a half, two years is what we had estimated at. But we had already had it in place at our main hospital within the Texas Medical Center, created a virtual command center. And it literally was to be able to help with efficiencies um, within our ICU and hospitalists that were needing to be on site in all of those areas. What happened was we had it up, COVID hit. And when COVID hit us, and let me say we were already doing virtual care as well, slightly. We were toying around with it. But of course, like everybody else, when COVID hit, we had to you know, shut down all of our clinics and everything else. And that virtual ICU project fully expanded across our organization. We were able to do it within six to eight months. So it was interesting because I will tell you, our chief innovation officer, when COVID did hit us, she sat us down overall in the room. And this is when I think we had the very first community spread patient and we knew that it was not going to be good. But we sat down and we said, okay, what is all the technology that we put in place that can help us with this issue and this problem? We also had recently just created a R&D space, and we call that our Innovation Technology Hub. What that space does is it allows us to be able to pilot new technology within that space and work with vendors overall on their solutions and then allow our clinicians or executives to come in and see the technology in real time. Instead of, let me do a PowerPoint presentation or a demo that's not overall in our environment. And so by having that in place, it really helped us. But the key thing was we were able to quickly convert that tech hub into a training. So we were able to train all of our physicians how to do virtual visits, how to utilize the technology, you know, within a very, very short time frame. So that was something that helped us overall. And then 
during COVID because it was so difficult for you know, everyone having to gown up to get into rooms if they needed to just go in for a quick visit. Or as you remember, family members had no way to come in and visit their um, family that was in the hospitals. We put iPads in every single room. That way it was able for the clinician to be able to do a quick video visit if they needed to with that patient without having to get gown up. But it allowed the patient family members also to, to be able to communicate if that was possible with their family members and so it really helped us just kind of streamline and move things forward within the, within the organization during COVID. Yeah. So, you know, I would just tell you, we've had multiple other, we've implemented intelligent automation, RPA with high success within overall the organization. Also during COVID, we implemented chatbots technology on our website that really overall helped us. And we've continued to use that now that COVID has kind of died down, we, we really look to try to create efficiencies within our organization. And so with that technology, we've been able to reduce our call center staff because our goal is to try to have at least 75% of the calls that are coming into our main lines to be able to be handled by the technology that's there. So you look at overall the efficiencies gained with utilizing the digital tech from the voice vendors to overall with our virtual ICU and the virtual care that we were doing. And also with the overall from the care plans that we were looking at, that's the thing that we have seen most. And I will tell you, we don't ever do any kind of innovation solution unless it has a true ROI for us. While there's many out there you could get really just excited about, if it's not solving a problem for us and really giving us a solid ROI, we won't do it. Yeah, and that's certainly smart. And it sounds like what you really look to do is co-development and really working with vendors, but you know, not just taking necessarily this fully baked product, but really using your own knowledge in-house to work with it and make it something that's going to be as useful as possible. Well, and that's, that's exactly what we do because we have found that it's beneficial for us why we don't invest dollars within other smaller companies. And we know other health systems that do that. We've just decided that's not the approach that we want to take. What we do invest in is our sweat equity. And we give knowledge and expertise with these companies to help them further develop their products. You know, what we have found, again, is that they may be bringing in one solution to solve one problem. But we help them realize a lot of times that they can further develop other solutions based on their core product they develop that helps us solve other problems. So it's really a true partnership with these organizations that has helped them grow their company, but also help to solve the problems that we're wanting to. And ultimately, when you get, you get that win-win partnership, there's a trust that comes along with it. And it is, like I said, it has been something that works for us. I don't know it would work for other organizations, but it, it has been the win-win for us. And we will probably always continue that way. We don't look for companies with alpha products. I mean, that is not something that we truly want to develop in. We're looking for the ones, as I said, that has a product that's somewhat working, but they're looking for really more expertise from health systems to help them further develop it. Right. Someone who has that tech hub that you guys have and the people who are really dedicated to it. Okay. So obviously that there's always going to be, there are so many needs that need to be met and innovation can meet a lot of those, but how do you approach prioritization and, and what, what to move forward with? 
Well, again, I think it all comes down to what's the problem you're trying to solve. And I think it's, you get hit with different problems at any given time. You know, I would tell you the biggest one that we're working on right now is our care redesign process. And it really had to do with the staffing challenges that we're all facing because of COVID. I mean, the mass exodus out of healthcare is a reality and, you know, it's still occurring. And you look at all the stats, there isn't enough nurses out there to be able to hire clinicians and their burnout of even the ones that are still working. And so what could we do in order in our institution to be able to help with overall with the staffing challenges? You know, the reality of this, and I told you that, you know, our chief innovation officer, she's also the CEO of our largest hospital. She was getting hit all the time. When are we going to get more nurses? When are we going to get more nurses? They're just, they're not there. So one of the things that we looked at, and, and this is where I would tell you in any other organization, sometimes it isn't about looking at new technology, but thinking about how to do things differently. We already had the technology in place, but one of the things she thought was we already had a virtual command center. We already had technology in place that we were using with our virtual ICU and our telesitting and other virtual services that we were offering. We had iPads in every room. So then it was, you know, she did a short time study on our nurses to see where they were spending all of their time. And was there times that they were utilizing doing things that really weren't a part of direct patient care. And it was interesting enough, what she found was that on admit and discharges, um, it was taking around 40 minutes just to get through those two areas. And so it was, could we utilize the technology in place, put a few nurses within our virtual command center and start doing virtual nursing, at least on our admit and discharges. So again, no net new technology. We already had everything in place, the iPads in the room, and I will tell you, the nurses were a little apprehensive about it. They were like, what do you mean you're taking this away from us? Yeah. Um, yeah. But after a couple of weeks, well, I don't mean to say a couple of weeks, I think one week into it, nurses absolutely loved it. Our patients absolutely loved it. It cut the time down from 40 minutes to 13 minutes to be able to do these activities. Oh, wow. And now it is that we were taking away that from our nursing staff in the units, which then allowed them to focus more on the time, the things that they needed to do and be in front of the patients and take care of them. So that's part of what we're looking at overall from this care redesign. And now that is quickly rolling across our institution and been a big Again, time savings for overall on us. But the other thing that we're looking at is how could we, if we were to be able to put, instead of having iPads, remember, so you have to clean those iPads, you have to wipe them and everything after everyone leaves. What if we put camera technology in every one of our rooms, speaker technology, and then we are also looking at a product for ambient intelligence. So it's a different type of camera and not the two-way camera such as we're looking at here right now. But we could replace and have everything being done by that camera technology for virtual visits, whatever it may be with the clinicians, physicians, and so forth. But now with the other camera technology for ambient intelligence, it is to show you different use cases. So like fall prevention, right? How is it now that I can, and it's an outline of the room and an outline of the patient. So if a patient is on fall risk, we see them now, this technology can see that they're potentially getting out of the bed. It can alert them, send an alert into the room, asking the patient to remain in bed, but it will also alert the staff to let them know somebody needs to come in, or they can virtually be able to get into the room by the camera technology and have a um, direct conversation with the patient. 
So again, multiple other use cases with this vendor that we're working with, we're just starting off with fall prevention, but there's about six other use cases that we're further developing with them yeah. um, that we see really high hopes with. But the other thing is we really believe biometric data and biotechnology is kind of the next big thing. Um, we're all used to our smartwatches. And I think we've seen other kind of technology that has come out where they're a little bit bulkier from blood pressure and other things that you can attach to yourself. We're partnering with a vendor right now that has a patch that's about the size of a half dollar that sticks onto the patient. So you can put it onto them, whether they're coming into the ED or they're coming into as, a, as an inpatient that collects vital sign information, all types of different vitals, and that can immediately go into the EMR. And so with this technology, stop and think about Q4 vitals, how much time is being spent by staff having to go rounding and taking vitals off of our patients. By having this, maybe we can stop Q4 vitals. Maybe we can stop and gain the efficiencies from that as well. So if you really, that is our whole goal in, in, in looking at this technology is how can we gain efficiencies from it? Yeah. That's a really big piece. And if you look at what ambient intelligence is providing these days with overall, there's other efficiencies that you can look at within your operating rooms. Working with another vendor right now that has cameras, they're rolling all the time, right? As staff is coming in to set up an OR, getting everything prepared as the procedure goes through, certain things are blurred out for privacy and everything. But, and then once the case is finished, how long is it taking to get the OR cleaned up and ready for the next case? Quickly, you can be able to determine by looking at overall list data, where can you gain efficiencies? Where are some of the things that are some of the things that we're doing that can allow us to turn over those ORs much faster? Yeah. So I would just say those are the things we're absolutely looking into voice technology. We believe that's kind of the wave of the future as well. From Alexa devices that we have in all our rooms to not only allowing our physicians and there's a vendor out there today that is allowing overall voice technology to be able to use on physicians to help them with documentation, but we're also exploring ways to help our nurses. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of both things. I think, you know, physicians need help, but nurses need help as well. Wouldn't it be great if all they had to do was be able to speak to get their, all of their documentation done instead of having to spend hours going back, trying to complete the documentation that they did not get to do during their rounds or with patients or whatever. I mean, it's sad to think, but nurses are even still writing things down and then going back and trying to document them into the EMRs. And we need to get rid of that. Our CEO, his prime objective is to get our clinicians back in front of the patient and not in front of a computer. Yeah, and it's really interesting how leveraging all these types of, of tools like ambient intelligence to do that, using the technology to be able to get them in front of the patient more, which is, that's really interesting. And it's a, it's a really big driver, seems like, for all of this. It is. And, you know, look, this is kind of the obsessive focus that we have really overall in our Center for Innovation. It, it is all about our patients and our clinicians. You know, how can we make it one easy enough for patients to get services at our facilities or not at our facilities in the way that they prefer. So we have a big concept called me, it's a know me strategy. How well do we know you and how do you prefer to get services or through Houston Methodist? Do you wanna do everything by your phone? Do you still do prefer the old way of just calling us? Cause certain people do prefer that. 
but we wanna make that as easy as possible. And we wanna make it as easy as possible for our clinicians to do what they do best. And that is take care of our patients. And so if we can reduce the burden that's on them or even the burden that's on our patients trying to come in to make everything the most efficient and convenient way to get those services, that's what we believe that is important for us to overall transform our overall operations. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like you've really been able to establish this, this culture of innovation and, you know, really make that part of it. And I think that that, that does remain a challenge at a lot of places, but can you just talk a little bit about what it takes to, to build that? You know, innovation is not new to Houston Methodist. You know, we've had many innovations even way back to Dr. DeBakey, right? Especially even in our research institute. But when it came to really the digital tech, you know, with this overall culture of innovation that we have, what the great piece is, is that we've got different units and different clinics and different physicians and nurses that are so engaged with us and they're willing to try these things. And look, sometimes they fail. Sometimes they don't go exactly as we, you know, hope that they will. You know, we have started and stopped a few times on different solutions, but they're very much engaged with us because they know at the heart of what we're trying to do is to help them and our patients. And look, our CEO will say this all the time, and you won't find any employee at Houston Methodist that doesn't believe this. The patient is at the heart of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason we have such great engagement. And We have held Shark Tank events and other different type of innovation events overall so that we get to hear, because it's not just us, we get to hear from across the institution what others believe are potential solutions that we can do. And, you know, the other thing that we've started doing is we're now going across in different leadership huddles of explaining some of the innovations that we have done. So that they can look at that and say, you know, that's a potential use case for something else that I'm doing that I think it could help with. So, you know, now we've got this running list of things that we've already done, but have potential other use cases for us that we're learning from. And so it just kind of speaks to overall the heart of our 30,000 plus employees and how they truly believe in innovation and what we're trying to do. Yeah. So kind of going back to uh, what we were saying at the beginning, that you know, you've been been with this organization for a while and really seen so much evolution, I can imagine. But um, can you just give some thoughts on kind of what it has been like to be with this organization as it has evolved so much? Yeah, you know, I would say it's been my honor to be at this institution. And as I said previously before, I can't imagine being in any other place. Everyone is so dedicated to, one, taking care of our patients. But, you know, what I have seen overall in the evolution is, one, it's the growth of the institution. I mean, I've seen tremendous growth in kind of my 30 years here. I've seen at a time when we created our research institute, how we created our own, you know, kind of physician organization, and also just the commitment from our leadership for us to do the right thing. I mean, I would tell you, even during our EPIC implementation, our CFO, who was kind of overall spearheading um, a lot of that, working overall with the organization, he used to tell us all the time, when you're making decisions about what to do, think of the patient first. Because if you're thinking of the patient first and you make the decision based on that, you're probably making the right decision. So that's what I'm saying just speaks to the heart of Houston Methodist and our desire to make sure that we're doing the right thing. 
So it, it's just overall that commitment from leadership, the commitment from staff. And as we continue to grow, and I, I will tell you, I'm just amazed that we're at 30,000 employees now. We're building our, our newest hospital out in Cyprus, which we're dubbing our new smart hospital of the future because we're using a lot of this technology in, in that institution. But it, it's just that commitment from leadership to let's do the right thing, what we need to be doing for the Houston and surrounding community and our patients. Yeah. It's great. You can tell that you really have that that passion in the organization and what it's doing. And that's, uh, yeah, it's really nice to hear. Yeah. Like I said, I feel extremely fortunate. I mean, I, I don't think anyone goes into, not these days, it doesn't seem like, but doesn't going into any organization and go, yep, I'm here for my life. <laughs> I, I don't see this obsession that we overall have to be able to drive the things that we've been able to do and make the changes that we've been able, you know, to transform in our industry. And it's exciting. It's, it's very, it's exciting to come to work every day and, and see the things that we're working on. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.